Sound Culture Renaissance. We curate, craft, and amplify Bitcoin inspired creativity. Featuring in the music block this month is Death himself, Jim Reaper. Jim is a musician, remixer, synth geek, uh, coder, pleb, um, and uh, a Britcoiner. Although uh, I think we have to retire that term now that the Bank of England they have uh, kind of uh, co opted. Prince's original uh, coin of phrase there. Anyway, uh, I speak to Jim about uh, his life and many interests and uh, Bitcoin, music, all of that sort of good stuff. I hope you enjoy. Peace. How are you doing? Yeah, um, uh, you find me an interesting period in my life. I just left my job on Friday. So. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, just out, things kind of deteriorated rapidly, and I decided to keep my sanity and happiness rather than keep a job. So I gave up quite a lot, but there we go. Good for you, man. Well, I mean, it's crazy times, right? And uh, if now doesn't call for making kind of brave decisions that are in line with your with your values and stuff, like yeah, when when are you going to do it? Well, it's the way to live, right? Like you. You know, I'm not to, I don't really sort of live by, I'm not the most adventurous person, but you do only have one life and I've never put work ahead of my life, you know, and I've, I've taken a lot of risks through my life and never gone the normal path that everyone does. It doesn't scare me, you know, like, so I gave up a good job. I gave up a good paycheck. I'll get a different job. I'll get a different paycheck. I, you know, the only thing I'm upset about is I can't buy Bitcoin right now. And it's <laughs> <laughs> that's literally, that's the only thing I'm upset about. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, I, I don't want to pry and we don't have to talk about it, but uh, what was it that made you quit? It was just the company's changed a lot over the last couple of years. Like in the, in the last 10 years, I've basically worked in startups. So you know, I kind of like the the embryonic state of those companies. It's fun to work in those environments mm-hmm. and it's fun just to be there, to be part of everything that's going on and not just there to get through the list of things that need to be done today, you know. And um, so that was always fun. And um, because of the pandemic, especially, things have changed a lot in the company. At this point, it's not what it was doing, the, what it I signed up to do. It's gone a totally different direction. It's not really in line with what I want to do. It's going down a financial services route. And I don't want to work in banks. So the whole reason I'm in Bitcoin and everything is I hate banks. I want to destroy banks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the second I found out we were moving in that direction, I was like, nah, I, I really started struggling internally. And over the last couple of months, I've been wrestling with it. I don't know whether you found that in music too, but like whenever I've worked on anything, even even music, you know, something that yeah. I'm meant to be loving, if if your heart isn't in it, it just becomes an uphill struggle, right? I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I think that's why so many. Well, that's partly why so many people find 
work and life tough because like a lot of it is just rolling a rock up a mountain yeah well a lot a lot of life is right like no one promised anyone an easy life you've just got to find a way to get through it you know and i think the biggest problem people have is they don't realize they've never found out their why that's why it's such an uphill thing if you have an actual why it doesn't matter how high or steep the hill is it doesn't matter how big the rock is yes and that's the thing and so you know I've always struggled with that as well. It's hard to get the right why. Sometimes you think you've got it, and it even lasts you a decade, maybe two decades. But if it's the wrong why, at some point it'll collapse, right? And it's kind of a difficult balance because if you've built up a lot of capital in a particular working environment, you know, over 20 years, your name's known, your work's known. For that to disappear, especially if it's not your own volition, is, you know, that's a difficult thing to rebuild. So, if your why disappears and all of a sudden that also means your career has to change, it, you know, if there's no other way around it, you could be in a, for a really difficult time for the next while, you know? Yeah. And I think as a musician, that's the thing, right? Like you can use that as a source of inspiration. Cause yeah, that's the thing. If people who don't make music, people who are non-musicians look at musicians and think, Oh, you know, you could just go and make a tune, you know, you can escape the world. And it's like, sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes it makes you want to bash your head against a wall. Yeah. And you think you're the worst musician that's ever been born. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's the best job and the worst job, right? I mean, it, it can make you feel fucking incredible. Like when you are really vibing, when, when, when shit, it's just no effort at all. Everything you touch is just like, yeah, total mm-hmm. vibe. It's brilliant. But a lot of the time it's, it's building cabinets, isn't it? Or, yes, it's the know, bread and butter, isn't it? Exactly. And then other times, you can't even you can't even do that. Yeah, and again, it's like as a musician you, or an artist of any kind, you've got to have a why, right? Like, yeah, you can do random art if you want, and in your field, sometimes that's a good way if you've got block. You know, don't set any rules down because you know that's kind of a the constraints word is a difficult one for artists, right? Like some artists, I don't want any constraints. I just want to be free. And there's other artists, I think the the more productive ones who say, no, you've got to set some constraints because that gives you your focus for what the piece is about. Again, you've got to have a why, you know? Yeah, that is, that's really interesting, actually. I think, uh, and I, I suppose it, it ties into Bitcoin in a roundabout way in terms of scarcity and stuff like that or whatever. But Yeah, creative but, scarcity, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think for me, and I see this in my, I, I have a three-year-old boy, like, too much choice is not a good thing. Like setting, imposing limits on yourself is is very, very healthy, and and you mm-hmm. find that you flourish within those strict sort of boundaries. If mm-hmm. you just uh, and I, I'm sure we all know, like some friend's kid who's a real little asshole because they don't have any boundaries, right? Um, it, it's just it's just not how we we perform to our best ability i don't think and yeah well you have no direction right you're a balloon that's been let go and you're just doing this but if you set some constraints it gives your art a direction where it's got some linear sort of you know context yeah exactly and and you kind of just have to you have to do something what with what you have at hand so i think the what i used to do for a while when i was actually making music was to say like okay so this project i'm just using this synth and i'm using acoustic guitar and i'm using Mm -hmm. like um this folder of drum samples or what do you know what i mean like i was just giving myself very specific kind of um colors Mm -hmm. on the palette and 
yeah. then you could just go wild because otherwise like you're then you're like bashing around on a on one synth for a bit and oh that's not really doing it and then you, you know you've really you've really made do I, I think i think that's cool so so I, I, as you were saying that, I was kind of with you in the dream, and I lost the thread you were saying because I was just with you. I, I've, I've been working on music all day, so I mean, my mind kind of went into a, a musical. Space. <laughs> okay, so carry on. we're featuring you for uh, you know for in in the music category, and um, that Thank is what you have. Uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Welcome. It's an honor, absolutely. So obviously we want to get into that, and we, I want to get into like uh, how you got into Bitcoin and things. But we've 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 been chatting on Twitter on and off, like DMing uh, quite a bit. But yeah. give me a bit of background on yourself. Like I know a little bit of what you've been doing in your your musical life, but um, yeah, who are you? And yeah, well, I'm one of those men of mystery. You know, we moved around a lot as I was growing up and um, my dad was in oil. So, you know, when you move around a lot, you're either in the military or you're in oil. It's one of the two, the two things which run the world. Right. And um, so my dad is an oil engineer. And so we moved around a bit and um, I got, I started making music or get got into doing music in the um, sort of late eighties. I was, I don't want to dox myself too much to give away my age, but I was young enough that, um, I'd missed sort of the uh, the dance music thing. I was too young for the Summer of Love '86, so I, I wasn't ready for that. And I was sort of coming of age a bit later than that. And I was really into actually guitar and metal. So I got into guitar first as an instrument. I remember my big brother had one. And when we were a kid, uh, we lived in Singapore for a bit, and I remember just loving this guitar he had. And so I got into it. I was into Guns N' Roses, Metallica, all the usual sort of '80s guitar hero stuff, you know and I used to make fun of dance music actually when it all started coming about and pump up the jam and all that I used to make fun of it you know who wants to dance to a car alarm all night you know that sort of thing and then I moved to North America and when I got there it was kind of the backwaters I was living in Calgary and um (laughs) you know relatively compared to what I was used to I was used to living in England it was quite hustle bustle you know the empire hadn't officially died yet in people's minds. And so um, to me, I was in this backwater of Canada. It's obviously one of their biggest cities. It's over a million people. You know, it's a big enough place. Um, so I found myself there. And that is, um, I've, I've always kind of been outside because we moved around a lot. Yeah, I made a group of friends. But it was very difficult to make you know, that group of friends, that real inner core group of friends. So when I was in Calgary, that was kind of my formative years when I made the closest I got to that. <laughs> and, um, mm. and we were all into dance music and we were all kind of, you know, all the people that got into dance music in the eighties and nineties were people outside of the, the norm. They were people looking for something else saying, you know, and it was kind of tied into politics that was going on. And, you know, which we can get to that at some point if you want, like, I, I just, I don't <laughs> think that's why I don't think music's changing much these days. It doesn't have any political reason for what it does anymore. Like in my mm. opinion, anyway. that, that might, that might be about to change in the coming yeah, years. <laughs> I, I think it could do. I mean, obviously there's, yeah. there's various strains of music, which do have very political reasonings, you know, and probably the, the main forms of music that which have held the torch of, you know, standing up for yourself and all the rest is hip hop and rap and that that kind of thing. But I think dance music especially has an individualism, a kind of fuck you to society, you know, the warehouse raves, the driving all night down the M25 in the 80s, not that I was old enough to do it, but that's what people did, you know. And um, I just think there's an aesthetic to it, which always, 
which struck with struck me and it, it totally changed my guitar hero thing overnight like the hair went you know the baggy <laughs> jeans came in and i was just into dance music and i sold all my metallica cds you know and um it was kind of one of those things and i immediately started getting into djing and all that but i realized pretty quickly a lot of the djs just want to be up there and be like yeah check me out and i was like how do they make the tune like that's really interesting how do they make those sounds i have no idea what makes those sounds you know and that's what drew me in and i it's it's caught me ever since i've you know i've, I've always done it as a side thing i've never i'm not really a live person i've never gigged you know i never got good enough a guitar because i ditched it for dance music i've only just gotten back into it in the last year trying to learn some actual music theory um so that's kind of my musical journey through the years but it was influenced by moving to these different countries you know and having these influences from different places i'm not really prejudiced to anything you know i'm open for whatever the world's a the world's a crazy place and it's a complete kaleidoscope so for to anyone to have any sort of judgment about a particular place or type of person or whatever is ridiculous because you just go like you might think you know about indians but you go to india you know nothing about indians you know like you'll go there and you'll just it's a world you just don't even know exists hmm. and so i think if you can have that kind of an out mindset for music and for life it can help you kind of have a thick skin to things you know because you just accept that the world's crazy and it's different and sometimes it's shitty and sometimes it's amazing mm-hmm. yeah man it's they're definitely a real uh drawbacks and and benefits to to, to moving around um I, I had a similar experience in that i moved to toronto when i was um mm. sort of in my late teens which i don't mind saying was was in the in the very end of the 90s but <clears throat> that all of a sudden gave that introduced like I was some sort of like Scandi kid. Do you know what I mean? Like everything. My, my wife always takes the piss and says that you know, uh, like Scandinavia is so nice. It's so beautiful. It's so clean, and that's why all the music is fucking boring. You know, like you you, you need you need that sort of grit and whatever to 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 as you were as you were insinuating earlier or alluding to. You, you need something. Right, you 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 need a something. It's got to have teeth, you know. Even if it's a soft song, even if it's folk music, it's got to have some teeth. It's got to grab you somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And even if it's a, a really pretty folk tune, it still needs the juxtapositioning of you know something gnarly with the sweet to actually make it interesting. Because otherwise, it's mm-hmm. just like it's just saccharine, yeah. disgusting, right? Um, but um, yeah, so 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 I, I had a very similar experience, and all of a sudden, I was just like faced with whole world of hip-hop and started working and assisting engineering in studios like hip whether lots of hip-hop was going on that that fucking blew my brain as well like it's 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 really it's really great having these um yes you might have some friendships that that suffer you might have some other things where you but um being introduced to 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 a bigger to a bigger world is definitely uh, a cool thing well and it's a more professional world right like it teaches you something about music which you don't figure out by yourself in your bedroom mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like i kind of had a brush with it because i really i went to study music recording because it was what i wanted to do and i, I did some uh, radio broadcasts i basically wanted to do audio i was like okay dad wants me to be an engineer i've picked a type of engineering he might not approve of it but it's the engineering <laughs> i like you know yeah, yeah. and um and so that was it. So I went down the whole um, audio route and 
um, went and did audio school in the States from Canada. And after that, moved back here for my internship. And that was my sort of move back to the UK. So after moving around my whole life, I always kind of felt like I was an English kid because my parents yes. were English and all my family mm-hmm. was from there. And it just felt like home base. And so London, therefore, was my default home. Not that I'd ever lived here. You know, I lived here for a couple of months in between transitions, but I'd never really lived in London. And so when I when I had sort of made a decision as a, a conscious adult making my own choices and leaving the nest, I was like, well, I want to get into music production. I want to move back to the UK. I want to go to London. That's where it's all happening. You know, that's where I'd missed the whole dance thing, right? I'd, I'd had to watch it from afar in Calgary. And it was just atrocious, you know, getting mm. these records was impossible. And it was because it was, it had a small town mentality. I mean, back then it was still, you know, I think it was almost a million in the mid nineties. Um, but it's rave scene was really small. Everyone knew each other, you know, there's only a couple of people that were throwing the main parties that were going on. So it was very political because of that. And uh, so all this, and I'd always wanted to move back and settle down in London anyway, because I've just figured if you can go to London and, make something work then you're okay you know it's it's one of those cities it's like new york you know you you don't fuck about if you go there without a plan and you say oh, i'm just going to wing it, it the city's going to kick the shit out of you it doesn't give a fuck about you or your feelings or your money or your <laughs> employment <laughs> options it doesn't give a shit yeah. you know if you're not ready for it and it's the weirdest things that'll catch you out when i first moved back uh, a friend of mine was like uh, emailed me he's like oh i've got a mate from toronto he's coming over through london He's staying at this hostel down in Russell Square. Fancy meeting up for a drink with him just to keep him company. I was like, yeah, all right. So I met up with the guy. Never met him before. We had a nice night just chatting in the hostel bar. And uh, he's a musician, a guitarist. We talked all about that. And um, we decided to drink absinthe. It was the first time I ever drank absinthe. And I only had one or two drinks. But the next thing I knew, it was three in the morning. I was stumbling my way home. It was pissing with rain. And I was just lost in London, not knowing which bus to take, how to get home. And I was just like, Welcome to London, you know, like, holy shit, this is, this is how it catches you out. Well, was, was it was it London or was it the absinthe? I mean... <laughs> well, the thing was, it, what it was was the cockiness of not realising how big the city is. Right. And how, how quickly you can feel isolated and overwhelmed by its size and the complexity of the place you're in. Because a place like Calgary is a very simple place, you know, really, in terms of how you're living. Yeah, it's modern. But it's a simple way of life. You can go out to the mountains to relax. In London, you're not. You're in the beehive all the time, you know? Yeah. So, so, so you, know, music- you lived here too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I lived there for, well, in England, uh, sort mm. of um, for, fif- for 15 years. But yeah, in, in London for 10 During maybe? the 90s, right? So during the yeah, sort of era well, I'm talking about where it's late, late, no- late noughties, more like. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so, so you, you went there with an audio engineering background, then? Yes, yeah, so I came back. I came back here for audio engineering, and I did an internship at a um, recording studio out in Acton. And it was owned by. Um, I'm really doxing myself. There you go. Um, <laughs> it was owned by a keyboardist for a very famous uh, singer, uh, Lisa Stansfield. But sitting in on some fairly big sessions i kind of realized how the politics of it worked and what you'd have to do to really make a career of it in something like london if you want to be an engineer rather than a producer because you know I, I was i don't think my music has ever really stood up to be that um that big a level especially as i don't perform i don't go on stage i can't expect anything to happen of it you know yeah i could put it out on the internet but unless you're going to go out there and pedal it and bear your soul for people on stage 
you'll never really make it, you know. So I've always been fine with that because I've not really wanted the stage. So for me, music was just a release. So I thought, okay, maybe I could do engineering. That's a way to be in that world. But then actually seeing it up front and seeing like seeing how some of the actual big bands conducted themselves in the mix session is just a joke. You know, they didn't pay any attention. They were just rolling massive spliffs the whole time. Oh, no problem with spliffs. But <laughs> they, they didn't care. You know, I... I done all this because i cared so much about music and engineering because it meant you could get good sound and here were these kids who that were essentially were made by a company and they were making millions and they just didn't care about what was going on it just it kind of i was like why would i slay for those kids you know like yeah i could make a name for myself as an engineer but i'm not prepared to do that because i like i want my life to be varied i want to try different things and if i'm going to spend my whole life trying to make a name for myself with pricks like this you know fuck that so i just decided to get out and i actually switched and went into tv post-production um and that was great we worked on some big high profile bbc shows and things like that um but again music took over i got and this is these i can't really talk about music history without dox myself because it gets into beatboxing and beatbox is a very niche area and there's only a few people who have ever really done things and well, you you were te- you were telling me about that uh, at one point in in the DMs, and I d- didn't know whether to bring it up or not. But yeah, it's um, that's definitely. Well, you can quite... always edit out of this audio. <laughs> yeah, so, so so how did you get into that then? Well, that was because I was. Uh, as well, t- tell us t- tell us first what you did. What for the beatboxing? Series? Yeah. Um, I uh, I owned a forum and. Um, started running the UK beatbox championships. And then off the back of that, I started an agency, the the main agency in the UK. Yeah. Cause I, I got pulled into it cause I was part of a forum. That's the thing. Like the internet really re gave beatboxing at second birth because it, it had its eighties thing. And then the nineties, there was killer Keller from the UK. And I remember killer Keller. Yeah. 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 And then there was Razel from the States and Razel's mm-hmm. album dropped. And because of the internet, it just spread like wildfire and people just couldn't believe what they're hearing. You know, it's like, He's doing all of that, you know, the beat and the chorus at the same time. Like, there's all these uh, stereotypical sayings from his album, you know. And that just lit everyone up and all these forums sprung up. And that is where it all came from. Europe, UK and America all became these, like, three powerhouses of beatbox all through the noughties. I actually did did a... um... An advert for Roundtree's fruit pastels with Killer Keller. That's so cool. <laughs> I might have seen that. Actually, I seem to recall that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Was that was that Naughty's time? Uh, yeah, that was Naughty's. Yeah, that would have been Naughty's sometimes. That's funny because yeah, we were six out, or um, seven. We were, uh, went out to Lithuania once with him. Um, there was a beatbox champs out there, and we went out for it. And. Um, he, the guy we were staying with was friends with Keller and Keller was staying there because he was doing the show as well as some other things. And at the time he was going out with Patsy Kensett. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he showed up and he... This has turned very British all of a sudden. Round to fruit, fruit pastels <laughs> yeah. and Patsy Kensett. Yeah, I got some monster munchies. <laughs> yeah. Drink, drinking tea. And so he showed up, he had, a, he had all her Louis Vuitton travel cases. And I was like, oh, nice bags. He said, oh, they're my birds. And I was like, Patsy Kensett's my bird, is she... <laughs> I've never had a called my bird before. But no, 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 it's true. I mean, this uh, talent was just one part of the uh, of the or one tool in the toolkit that they all have to have uh, all had to have. But the 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 one thing that really separated 
the the real class acts from the sort of runners up and whatever was attitude mentality mm-hmm. like there's and willingness to learn right like willingness to hold your hands up and say okay i'll try to make sure that doesn't happen again yeah and uh, but but that also comes with mentality right like humility is mm-hmm. part of of the mentality whatever you know not taking yourself too serious considering yourself at least at times the dumbest fuck in the room um kind of knowing that yes i might have just gotten myself like a publishing advance or something but that doesn't mean that i've made it now is when the you know now is when it starts now is when the hard work starts yeah well a, a colleague of mine um had a good outlook on it and he's saying the thing was there's a guy in his sales department he said he came through and he's like we've just closed a deal with amazon or something we need to have this headline on the website in 30 minutes and we'll, they'll pay us 300 grand for it so it's a big sale you know it's just come through so he stayed late and did the deal the ad went on and they, they made the money and so uh they went for a drink afterwards and uh, my colleague was saying to the guy, oh, you know, that must make you happy. And he's like, well, yeah. But he's like, by next Friday, I've got to do it again, though. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that was a 200 grand deal, but that was just today. Like, I've got to keep doing that. And you think about that, and you try to think of a career like that over 20 years. Like, I'm not a sales guy. I, I've got a lot of respect for people who are good at selling. I can't do it. And to be a top salesperson for 20 years, bloody hell. I, I well, mean, that's got to be hard. Uh, b- being on the top of your game, whatever your, uh, whatever the field is that you're in, is it, it, a tough thing and 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 requires like, well, we, the mentality. So it's, it seems like you, you, your your bow has many strings. You've you've done a lot of different type of stuff. Yeah, purposefully too, though. It's weird. It's it's the whole jack of all trades argument, right? If you even believe that saying, I don't think it's true. I don't think the jack of all trades, master of none means anything. I'd rather have a varied set of experiences and not be a Jedi or anything. But if you're a Jedi at something, you have to do it all the time. I don't want to do the same thing all the time. I want to do different, different stuff. And if that, if the compromise is pure excellence, then fine. <laughs> I, I think a lot about this, this quote, and I, I, I forget, I forget who it's by. But that specialization is is for insects, right? I, I I think it's really for me. It seems really unnatural. I don't understand. Like, uh, there's too many, way too many things in my peripher- peripheral vision that 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 are that are interesting me, and that are and also uh, that was also partly why I. There are many reasons, but that was definitely one part of why I wanted to get away from just doing music every day because like. There's so many other things to like. Oh, let me add it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, a whatever jack of all trades, master of none when it comes to music. Like I play all instruments uh, pretty averagely, uh, but but I but I agree with you. Like there are many rabbit holes to explore, and that doesn't mean that you could you can't um, know a great deal about all of them. Yeah, but also you know like take it back to not being a master but having the right attitude. In a business context, I just think it it helps build a healthy culture because everyone's just on the task at hand, driving in a, a direction, just trying to get there. And it's like, we will get there if we all just do our bit. Don't scream at each other. Don't set ridiculous dead, you know, let's just all be reasonable people and we'll all be happy and we'll get done what we need to get done. And, you know, what is the object? Do you want to build a tower to the moon or do you just want to run a business and everyone can live their life and, you know, do you want to read Bezos make billions or do you just want to have a successful business and live life? And I think this 
weird idea in the West that success is being a Bezos, being a Elon Musk. That's such a weird idea. Why? You know, why do you have hmm. to be the the absolute? Why do you have to be climbing that ladder twenty four seven? Go on, go. Why? You know, we've made it all up. Like we've made all of this. So, up. so what? 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 What is success to you then? I don't even. I don't know. It's a bit. <laughs> I don't even know if it exists really, you know, like it can take any form as long as you're happy, right? As long as you've got what you need to not want to kill yourself and actually want to face the next day, <laughs> sure, surely that's enough, right? Like, there, there's that There's that British sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I just don't see why. Well, it's, the, it's Western programming, right? It's this whole idea of this structure, and this is how you do it, and this is how you build wealth, mm-hmm. and this, and it's like, but why? Again, the why is why do I do that? I do that because all oh, you did that? What? You know, you, you read some stories like Princey, right? He's just off seeing what the world presents with his family. Like, they're going to see some shit, you know? And, you know, not of course, every, not everyone can do it. There's, you know, you pick and choose your battles, and not everyone's built for it. But I've just found for me, I just, I haven't want to be tied down really. I've wanted to keep moving around and not be dependent on everything, on anyone, you know? It's like, yeah, boss, I'll work hard for you. But if I feel like you don't give a shit, I'm out. I don't care. I'm not, you know, I'm not attached to this company. You know, it's your company. It's your baby. That sounds like success to me. Getting to into, into a position where you can um, do whatever you want to, you know, or work yeah. in on whatever idea, whatever field of interest that that tickles your fancy, and telling your boss to fuck off if uh, if you no longer <laughs> like it. I mean, that's that seems pretty. Uh, the thing like, is, it depends if your definition of success crosses with your definition of being happy, right? Because mm. you might end up being business successful, but you're miserable, and your marriage fails, and you sleep two hours a night, and that's not success to me. That's why right? the only the only thing I'm ambitious about nowadays is well, for the last five six seven years is it's just like being happy like it's it, it's it sounds really basic but like that's surely no, but it's great you said present tense right you didn't yeah. say try to be happy you try to find happiness you said just being happy and i yeah. totally agree i was saying this to my brother the other day i just think you know it's a bit tweet to say it but i think is on some levels it's a choice right if you've got enough that you're not starving and your kids can go to school and you've got clothes on your back or whatever it is you're doing then you can more or less be happy. Yes, mm-hmm. you can have more. You can strive to have more. You can strive to be more successful. You can try, try to earn But then you're never you finished. Things, but yeah. Exactly, right? That, that's not happiness. Happiness is having everything you need. And so if you re- once you realize you've got what you need, then you can just be happy. It doesn't mean life's not going to be stressful. So life's always stressful. No one said it's easy, you know? And, and optimizing for happiness is definitely not easy. Like that—that's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. Like if, if if that was, if that was an easy thing to do, more people would be able to do it. Like you have to, I think you have to make, be able to make really tough decisions to 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 kind of um, optimize for happiness because you get caught, you get captured in these sort of like ideas of what you should be doing or what success is right so like my wife for example right always wanted to be a musician always wanted to be a songwriter whatever um and um when when she became a published writer and she was doing all these things she was going off and playing on on, on big tours with with some big big bands and stuff like that she she wasn't particularly she wasn't particularly happy and what it actually required to 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 become happy was to deselect 
the thing that you always thought you wanted to do, which is a pretty big choice and a, and a really difficult decision and, and, and a difficult process. But yeah, you know, uh, sometimes you have to, um, to kill what you love in, in order to get through to the other side. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly where I'm at at the moment, right? Having just left my work, you know, it was, it wasn't really that I couldn't do the job. There wasn't any issue between people. It was just the drive wasn't there anymore. I wasn't happy. Like I was stressed out all the time. I was, watching a talk the other day, a, a Google talk, and I can't remember the doctor's name, but he's talking about the flow state. And it's like this inverted horseshoe. Once you go past the flow state and you get into this prolonged stress state, your amygdala kicks off and basically your inner caveman starts stressing out and kicking off. And I've, I just realized I'd been in that state for about two months. I was frenetic, you know, and I was just like, I need to be happy. And mm-hmm. I don't see this situation clearing up anytime soon. You know, it might get there, and this business might explode and become the next huge thing, but I won't be there for it, you know, and I chose my happiness over it. And now I'm in a position, you know, I've got to find a job at some point here, but oh well, you know, I've had to find jobs before. <laughs> yeah. So seems to be a common sort of trait with, with Bitcoiners. There is a real thread of principle and, um, living in accordance with, with with your values maybe not perfectly and maybe not all the time but but certainly striving to do so um yeah that's certainly what, something which pulled me in yeah so 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 why is that do you think why is it like that for you um is that is that something that has always been uh, been in you but part of your makeup well, we just don't want to be fucked about anymore, right? Like it's, it's intrinsically tied in what's going on with politics and everyone else. Everyone's fed up with smoke and mirrors and lies and spin and everyone's just sick of it. Like the thing we all talk about most with Bitcoin is it's just, it's unchangeableness. We know what it is. It, it says what it is. It tells you how many there are, you know, it's, there's no trust. You can, you know, we love that. It gives you a, cent, a, a center you can anchor yourself to. But but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to articulate, I suppose, or, or, or get to is, um, is the reason that we all found Bitcoin because we were, we all are a particular breed of people that have always been trying to discern the truth in in, in situations mm. or discern sort of like um, a particular moral kind of uh, stance. Um, yeah, and no, I see what you're saying. I think it's kind of an, an amalgamation. It's things came together, right? For a lot of people, it's banks. You know, 2008 was. Uh, a point where because of the internet like it's a tie-in with that is the birth of the internet and information spreading like wildfire like people understand more now what's going on things are more in the open even though there's a lot more misinformation there's a lot more out so it's a combination of that what happened with the banks everyone knows what happened to the banks because of that information moving around everyone knows the 20-year war that's ended now like everyone knows what that was because of the free information flow that's been going around and so in general i think people just lost faith in what's going on because they know more about what's going on and so it's a combination of those things that brought us to bitcoin we were like bitcoin is against banks you know it's a way to solve the banking issue it's also a way to get rich you know it's that whole thing like came for the money stayed for the revolution i think that's a big part of it a lot of people Mm -hmm. saw it was making it spent 10 years proving itself it was a it also cured the bank problem so it's like wow that's two that's a two for one right there and then you sort of start looking into it and then obviously you go down the rabbit hole and you realize it's a three for one, four for one, five for one. It just, the number goes up, right? 
and that's when you stay and you realize this this is it and you know especially for bitcoin twitter heads why it pulled me in is you just see this conviction you just see this core like there's a lot of things a, a lot of hardcore bitcoiners say which i don't agree with i don't vocalize it because i'm not there to get in a fight with people you know whatever the world's full of different people i suppose uh, i suppose uh, well it, it seems to me at least that there are a lot of traits that definitely are shared by um i'd say a, a, of course a, yeah a core and I, I think there is that individualness right it i think one of the core things you know to to take it back to the individual is that i think it, it does attract people who know their mind right it's people who who aren't afraid of being introspective spending time with themselves trying to understand themselves the world trying to get better you know people that are curious types and want to learn about things and do want to find good ways to do things and you know part of that i think is also an engineer's mindset you know you might not be an engineer or consider yourself an engineer but there might be something about who you are which links you into it. there's something about bitcoin's technical side which gets you interested you know even if you're not a technical person so i think that's i think that's really interesting considering how complex it is it's amazing how many regular people are into it and just talk about it you know, even if they don't really talk that deeply about the tech, the tech behind it, they there's enough there that they can have meaningful conversations with people of different levels of intellect, at different levels of understanding. But it, there's still value in that conversation for everyone involved. And I think that's a really interesting thing about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So and the people that are in it, you know. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm forever, I'm forever amazed by how many interesting. Um, uh, impressive uh, characters there are in the space but um yeah so we haven't gotten even gotten onto this yet how, how how did you find bitcoin i think like me you were class of 17 at some point um was it yeah yeah take me through it yeah i mean for me a lot of it um it was exactly the um it was the money and the revolution thing against the banks but not money then leading to revolution it's kind of both at the same time i looked because I, I think i first heard about bitcoin in 2012 i'd gone back to university after um the beatbox thing because i didn't go to university first time round. i did audio production outside of uni um so i was like, okay i want to learn to code i think that's the i because i discovered coding through beatboxing i needed websites but i couldn't afford to pay people so i decided to teach myself html and javascript and all that stuff and so when i thought to myself okay i'm getting a bit older i need to think about what i'm actually going to do for the next next while to make money i thought let's go back to school let's learn coding and uh, so did that but i had a real trip on my shoulder about the banks like after 2008 just i i still can't believe that the heads haven't rolled like i'm i'm still livid i don't know about everyone else i don't know why people aren't out in the streets but i'm still absolutely livid and i want to take every banker out i can sit and find you know <laughs> And so because of I those things, you know, that. so yeah, so like final year of uni is 2012 and um, I just heard about Bitcoin. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. I can't remember how much it was back then. Um, I just thought I'll keep an eye on that. And then first job out of uni, um, about two years in, so this was probably 2015, my boss at the time was bragging that he had just bought a whole ton of Bitcoin. I think it was probably like 150 quid or something like that at the time. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he said, I, he was one of those sort of dodgy wheeler dealer type guys. You didn't know if you could trust him. He was a bit sort of uh, a bit way, you know. And so he was saying that he had put, I think, three quarters of a million into Bitcoin at that point. 
I was just, I just thought he was nuts, right? I, even at the time, I thought that's myself, a nice, you know, that's, that's a good now, stack. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, now pulling it apart, now I'm even more flabbergasted. But at the time, I remember thinking to myself, "That's a crazy risk," you know, because I, I hadn't gone down the rabbit hole. Like, I could have been mining. Like, the fact that I knew about it in 2012, I could have been mining with my laptop, you know, like could have, should have, would have, all that. But so the last thing I heard from him was that he had he had all this Bitcoin, but then the company went under. And never, never heard from him again. I don't know what happened to him. I think he's the type of cat that during the bear market back when, prior to 2017, he probably weak-handed and he probably got out and lost a bunch. Um, so that was, that was my sort of introduction to it. So ever since I left that job and from when he had told me that in 2015, Bitcoin was on my mind. After that, I started watching. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So it was another two years of me thinking about it, starting to get interested in it. And then about spring of 2017, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to buy some, but I really need to understand this. Cause at the time I want to trade, you know, everyone, when they first get into it, they're like, oh, maybe I could trade and I could do it in my spare time. And all I have to do is make 300 a day and I, I can retire, you know? And so it's like, you, you get <laughs> yeah, into it that way uh, before you realize you just total. But, um, so I spent the whole spring and summer of 2017, just studying it. And I kept a paper portfolio and sort of, did fake trades and just kept track of it and tried to understand what candles meant and all that. And, and, you know, the outcome of all of it is I don't really care about charting. I think it's interesting. You do read the world, you know, it does give you a picture of people's emotions, the weekend selling and all that. You do see it, but you just can't take it for granted, right? You have to zoom out. You have to see the, the, the full picture of it. Cause if you go too far, the volatility doesn't make any sense, you know? And so, yeah, by the end of that summer, I was ready to to get in <laughs> and um, the price start, had started its 2017 climb and it went past the point I wanted to get in. I was like, oh shit. And then Jamie Dimon went on his famous rant about Bitcoin and I was just thanking the, you know, the heavens because as soon as he started talking, the price started going below the level I wanted to get in. And so I was like, nice on Jamie. Bought that was about to like sep September, October time or something. I seem to yeah. remember. But well remembered. Perfect. And so that was it. That was when I first got in. And then obviously that Christmas, it went nuts. And I was very, you know, because I spent the whole summer planning it, I found out real quick that I didn't want to trade. You know, I did maybe two or three trades overall. I, I think I made 20 quid out of the trades, but it was doing its massive climb. It was super volatile. And it was enough for me to go, do you know what? I'm happy just DCAing and stacking. I don't need to trade. You know, yeah, I've put six months work into it, but that's given me the, the, the foothold I need to A, understand it so I can get my heart. I got a treasure right away, you know, like right off the bat, I was ready to hodl. And um, yeah, so from then on, it's just been DCA, man. Just it's all I think about. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was Bitcoin from the beginning, was it? You didn't do, you didn't get into the sort of... Uh... Shitcoinery. The uh, sort of almost mandatory shitcoinery. Yeah, of course. You know, I tried a bit of ether, but um, and there's because I I thought to myself, you know, originally there was promise in these things, right? The idea of a land registry where you could just prove that you own a property and no one, the government, anyone can't prove otherwise. You know, those sorts of use cases. Of course, you can do it on Bitcoin. That's what you you finally understand when you you read enough. But at the time, no one was that narrative hadn't got people really talking about bitcoin that way so i was like okay there's some interesting things you could do there so i thought well it's the one and then there's pool together did you see that it's like a community 
lottery where essentially they put all the money into a, a DeFi compound account and the interest goes to a randomly picked winner every week or whatever it was. But of course, I, I bought a couple of tickets and I've just never bothered because A, never won anything, but B, the ETH fees to take out anything any winnings cost more than the winnings anyway so it's just like whatever you know so that was all 2017 and then i had that eth until i don't know maybe a year ago because i never stacked it you know i got the original set of it and just had that but i always just dca bit sat on it yeah, just sat on it, and then it was last summer or whenever it was. I just said, you know, I don't know why I'm holding this. I don't want it. I want Bitcoin, so I just transferred it all straight into Bitcoin. So yeah, it's all all Bitcoin now. Uh, has Bitcoin? Because because I know you're still active with music. You do uh, you, you do uh, fairly frequent remixes, I think, for for a record label in the UK. Yeah, I got another one just coming down the pipeline, actually. Cool. Yeah. So has has that has your Bitcoin journey kind of changed the way that you're making music in any way? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting one, right? Because everyone who's been stacking has that same feeling. They're like, this is my real pension, you know, like, yeah, I've got my house. Yeah. I've got my 401k, whatever it is, but my real pension is my Bitcoin. Cause if I'm right. And if we're right, like that's more wealth than I'll ever need, you know, like me and my family are set for eons and I can ultimately, I can stop worrying about it, but, I've just got to try and make it the next 10 years. And it's it kind of it's a dangerous position because you can mentally put yourself in this cage where you frame the world you're in as a 10-year prison cell until you're free. And I think that's something to avoid. You know, because you still have to live in I the see world what you're saying. And so to you know to how that ties into the music side is that I can't, I can't give up on things that you need to still have a fiat job because you've got to pay your mortgage or whatever else it is and, and, and stack, obviously. But for me, it's like, okay, well, I've been broke for most of my adult life because the choices I made, I didn't stay on a career path and end up, you know, a 20-year ad exec or whatever, you know, because I, I was always changing around. It's meant I've never mm-hmm. progressed enough in a career to make the big bucks. So I've always been fine with not making the big bucks. Um, so when I had a regular job coding, I was making – best money i'd ever made i was like well i'm gonna go buy myself some clothes i used to be a bit of a styler as a kid i want to go buy some nice clothes you know so i got myself some cool dc shirts and stuff like that and so you know i i'd i that could have all gone on bitcoin is my point right like as a as a stacker everyone probably has the same feeling you get to a point where you think i can't stack enough like where can i find every last penny and that's kind of an unhealthy attitude as well so i was like okay well I, st- I still want to enjoy my day-to-day life. And at the time it was before the pandemic. So I was like, I want to, I have to go into an office. I want to have a cool shirt. I want to wear, I don't want to wear the same t-shirt every day and all that. That's what all coders wear. I just don't want to look like all the other coders. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so I'm okay with allocating some money to clothing now and again. But the other thing is I want to get into modular synths because over the last 10 years, I've kind of, well, my whole life really, I've dipped in and I out. I see you've been buying some. Music. Yeah. And that's it. Like the last, as I was studying Bitcoin in 2017, I was also studying modular synths and I was planning my, to get into modular synths for about two years before I actually started doing it. So I was like, right, I know that when I start buying modules, that's it. The rest of my life, I'm going to be sinking a ton of money into this because it's going to be addictive as fuck. I know it is because the sounds you can make with the modular synth are just something else. You know, as a musician that wants to make interesting sounds and rhythmic pulses and stuff, there's nothing like it. You can't just buy a, a, fat, a synth that does it. It has to be modular because you need to be able to just make weird routings and stuff like that. And 
And so I, I was like, okay, so I planned it for a long time and said, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to restrict it to this size. That's what I'm going to get it first. And it's, so if I've only got that size, I have to pick and choose my modules very carefully so that I can get the most out of it. And so that was the financial thought of it. It was, okay, that's going to eat into my stack, obviously, because that could be Bitcoin too. But what I get out of that is the 10 years until the Bitcoin I do have is worth what I hope. I've got this module I can make music with and be happy and enjoy my day-to-day life. So that's the ultimate point I'm getting to. I think you need to keep that mentality that, yes, it can be your retirement fund, but you need to make sure that you're using something for your day-to-day to keep you happy here and now. But that's, that's something that has to, has to mean something, right? So like the music thing for me was massive, getting back into it. Yeah, no, that's that's good. It's a, it's, it's a good thing to hear, actually, because <laughs> like, so, like so many others, it, 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 you know, like so many other Bitcoiners, I... Um, I'm definitely guilty of uh, <laughs> deferring gratification almost all of the time. And I was reminded of this this today. Today was a bit of a madman. Yeah. I, I have a, um, what is it? How old? 10, 12-year-old Toyota Land Cruiser, big fat 4x4, right? Sitting in the garage, as I mean, in the workshop, mm-hmm. because... The aircon went, whatever else. Then we're driving around in our old, like, yep. um, big city car, which is a 12-year-old uh, 5 Series BMW, and that broke down on, on the road today while we're, <laughs> while we're out driving and obviously oh, no. having to wait for the, for the tow truck. <laughs> and I was just sat there thinking, I'm rich, bitch. Why do I, why do I have two really shitty... Two shitty cars. <laughs> what like, am I doing it for? Like what? Yeah, but I could never get myself to. Yeah, yeah, and I think because this was Peter McCormick's point, right? This is Peter McCormick's point, which everyone's taking the piss out of him for. Because I think there's a difference between just getting a car because you just need to have a car which isn't going to break down, and getting yourself an Aston Martin or you know. <laughs> yeah, it makes you think about what you, everything you're spending money on because everything you're spending your money on would be cheaper tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And so you don't want to spend it on anything. Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real conundrum, and um, and uh, and but you do have to stay happy, and I think it's okay to do that and not feel guilty. You just got to be reasonable about it. Yeah. You know? like just save save as much as you can, because at the end of the day, you know, if we are all right, then you're not going to need that much to have decent wealth in the future, and you're never going to own all the Bitcoin. That's the other thing I think people have to keep in mind. You're not going to own all the Bitcoin. Yeah. So stop acting as if you're trying to buy it all because you're never going to get it all. Is this, is this, so just chill out, you know. <laughs> is this a dig at Michael Saylor? <laughs> His pockets are deep enough, though. Yeah. Like, you're never going to own it all, Saylor. 100 grand down the back of the couch, you know. But, um, yeah, I just think, because I, I think Bitcoin is, it's good that everyone props each other up. I mean, Bitcoin Twitter is obviously fever pitch, right? Like, that is the pinnacle of Bitcoin is really letting loose and just giving, giving rip. And so because of that, it's highly entertaining and highly addictive. But I think it can paint a picture which, I mean, I, I was, this is one of the reasons why I found myself getting unhappy at work and all that. I've kind of disconnected a little bit from Twitter recently because all the infighting stuff that was going on, I just found, again, it was meaningless noise. And I just found it like this mosquito buzz. And it was just, it was all giving me a headache. And I was already unhappy at work. I was like, I don't need the Bitcoin is doing this bullshit too. I just need everyone to chill the fuck out, you know? So I've kind of stepped away a bit. I've been thinking about all this sort of stuff a lot. And it's like, yeah, it's typical sideways action Twitter, isn't it? Mm. 
yeah and so you know part of it was just I was personally stressed out but it just gave me the the bump to sort of stand back a bit and say okay now that I haven't got to go to work on Monday morning what the hell am I doing what am I thinking what's life about like I've made that choice obviously because I need to be happy so what am I going to do so Mm -hmm. that was it like I need to start planning so it's like okay I can't buy bitcoin right now so I need to fill my time with something which is going to stop me thinking about that So, 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 what, what are, so, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are, are you going to, um, you, you're saying that you got another remix coming out. Are you going to try to focus more on on the music side of things, or are you waiting for the next sort of um, startup kind of uh, opportunity to come along? What, what, what are you thinking so far? Well, it, I thought to myself, I want to take a month off like I've, I've got enough savings i can take a, at least a month off before i start looking for jobs i thought okay let's reset here let's take a, a, a proper break think about music properly because there's a, a couple of projects i need to finish off so this remix has just come in so i haven't even had the files for that yet but there's another guy called dj pratos wicked breakbeat producer and dj in fact i think he's got the longest running breakbeat show on new school breaks radio He's just, and he's a, he's a okay. decent bloke as well. He's nice. And so me and him have been working on a tune uh, together. Excuse me. And so that's going to be really interesting. I, I've uh, never worked on one of his songs, so that would be great. He's on the same label. And then, um, is it Chizino? I don't know how to present, pronounce his name. There, He's doing the Bitcoin game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah. Game. Um, so he's done, he did, he did that scene where it's the sailor hundred K boat party. And then you go onto the beach and uh, death is DJing. And that's me. So Jim Reaper's DJing at the party on the beach for the hundred K party. And he wanted to take one nice. of the tunes I'd done and do it like a chip tune version of it. And so that's been sitting in my to-do box for about two months. And I'd kind of started it and I wasn't really giving it. Well, I was just so wrapped up in work. I'd stopped music altogether. Like I was, that's how unhappy I was. I wasn't doing anything but work and being stressed out. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to finish that. So I finished that. I sent it off to him today, and he loved it. And he's he's done a couple of little embellishments on it, and it sounds great. So, um, yeah, one of my tunes has been chip tune is going to go in the the original beat, uh, Bitcoin game. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I'm really pleased that he nice asked me one, to do man. it. That's a nice, nice bit of Bitcoin history, you know. As Asino was telling me, uh, was telling me that um, I think it was you. you I'm pretty sure um, that you'd put together a reason rack for him as well with all the different synths. Oh yeah, was it? It, was a, it was an Ableton one. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure how great it is because yeah, I'm not sure how great it is. I did a test and I I dumped out some MIDI files because he's got eight. He's using Web the Web Audio API. And so he's just constructing oscillators and he's got some basic ADSR on them. And there's a square wave, sine wave, a couple of pulses, a triangle, and then a couple of noises to do drums with. And so it's chip tune-esque, but it's actually proper oscillators and stuff. So it's, it was kind of hard to know what it was going to sound like when he played the MIDI. So I sent him some test MIDI and said, this is what mine sounds like. Can you render out what yours sounds like? And I can check them out. And I tried to get right. as close as I could with my since i had kind of an idea but when i sent him the final midi files he sent me back the finished mp3 and it sounds totally different from how it did on mine for the most part but it sounds really it sounds better it sounds great so that was a nice little surprise and i'm glad i was able to finish that for him and and hand it back you know that was good 
That's great. Now, and uh, yeah, part of that was part of that was me thinking I've got this month. I just want to concentrate on music. So I've started implementing. You know, Cal Newport. He did digital minimalism, and he did a book called Deep Work. And so the idea of deep work is that everyone's got between like four and eight hours of hardcore thinking they can actually do every day before the brain starts saying, no, that's enough. Like, you know, I need to just do chill stuff now. And so mm-hmm. deep work is when you dedicate, you focus to a task at hand, but you get rid of all possible distractions, your phone, websites, unless you're researching something for the task you're doing, but it's just pure focus on the task. And the idea is to a try and be productive, but B um, teach your brain to extend, to um, stretch its attention span and like pre-internet thinking like learn how to sit and think on a problem deeply for a long period of time and really work on it you know halfway through maybe take 10 minutes to make a cup of tea but you don't check your email you don't do anything you Mm -hmm. think about the problem you're working on you make your cup of tea you walk about a bit you come back you finish the block and so i thought okay for the next month i'm gonna do that with music so every morning four hours of guitar practice learning scales triads all that sort of stuff um songs repertoire then have a lunch break and a bit of a walk and then the afternoon is studio a four-hour deep work of studio time so it's like okay good this means and in one of those sessions just one of those four-hour sessions i got this project's been sitting over me for two months done you know i just sat down and i made myself do it and it was fine i got it done Gizino loves it it's going in the game great and so great. that's the idea for next month like music but like hardcore music like really properly structured working on music that's um that's inspired me i i I used to uh i used to practice stream of consciousness every day um in in the morning um so i just basically like what what kind like verbal or on an instrument it, it it was different usually it would be either sitting and uh like writing melodies or it would be just be sitting and rhyming just like just mm-hmm. uh, or, or writing out lyrics or or, or prose, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fucking great. And you would you you would because particularly in the morning when you when your sort of consciousness filter hasn't really descended upon you, and um, and you can just really connect deeply with your with yourself without like, yeah um second guessing or 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 that's a really interesting point yeah and i i found it so I, I useful a video about, oh, carry on, sorry. A yeah no I, I just i found it incredibly useful and I, actually that that kind of led to my sort of golden creativity period because um it's 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 basically just like um it's training as you were saying right so like when you are then um, there's something to draw on later on in the day as well. So yeah, you might all of a sudden you might have that filter, but you are you have that state of mind that you, you that you've kind of been been training yourself to have and that you can tap into, and um, and being yeah. exactly staying, right? and 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 being away from 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 devices is uh, and and distractions should I say just more generally is mm-hmm. is definitely very useful. Well, and also like. You you forget that you're capable mm-hmm. of it. Like you just you 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 like when you first start doing it, you can't help it. Every two seconds, your brain's flicking over to your screen or whatever, just thinking about the scrolling thing before you've even gotten there. And it's just it's a really weird thing, and you just you you don't think you're going to be able to stop. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden, 
you'll notice it's been two hours since you looked. You're like, holy shit, I was really into what I was just doing. And I think you can train yourself, just like being addicted to saving, I think you can train yourself to be addicted to getting into flow state and working, you know, working. It's something you like doing at art or might be your work. It might be coding. I've really experienced this with coding. I don't know if uh, you've had this kind of thing where maybe you've done it when you're playing piano or something, but you're working away and all of a sudden it's like a third out of body experience. It's like my, what was happening on screen and my brain were kind of one thing and this body conduit through the keyboard kind of didn't exist at the time. Like I was mm. coding in flow state. I wasn't even really thinking about what I was doing. I knew exactly, exactly. what I was doing. It just, it was coming at me. I was, the app I was building was just make itself in front of me. And the next thing I knew it had been like six or eight hours. And those moments I look back on those and they just, they make me feel great. So I think, okay, I, and I've no, I know I felt that in the studio with music as well. Sometimes it's just all mm-hmm. vibing and you've got to capture it. And so yeah. by putting these blocks down, I want to try and rediscover that because I've put music kind of on the back burner for too long. I just think it's so important. It's just, it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Uh, uh, you, you, I think you were saying earlier that it's something that we've forgotten that we're able to, to do, right? It's like, you look at kids and they're you know they're so in 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 tune with themselves like they uh, obviously they can they can be distracted but when they're really into something and and um well they're in the present aren't they they can't by default yeah exactly and and but but it's something that we train ourselves out of right and and this is one of the reasons i occasionally like to do magic mushrooms because it sort of like gets rid of some of that shorthand that we build up for ourselves right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i agree because the thing is kids don't plan for the future right they're not trying to think about pensions and all the rest of it adults do that right that's what we train ourselves to do and that ties into what we we're saying about being able to spend on something yeah maybe it's a bit frivolous but it's so that i can enjoy today you know, it's, it's that same thing. It's giving yourself something for the here and now because there's, you know, yes, for the most part, we delay gratification. But that doesn't mean you can't have any gratification. You know, you don't have to be a complete monk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Quite right. But I mean, I just um, personally, I find it, and I'm sure lots of people, they can uh, relate to this. I'm sure this resonates with almost anyone. A, being on Twitter. And Bitcoin Twitter is a, is a very distracting and addictive thing, uh, you know. Also, because you, you not even just for the banter or whatever, or, or, or for the, just the act of of scrolling down the feed, but because we're constantly educating ourselves, um, trying to learn more, seeing what's happening. But also, particularly now in this kind of macro environment, geopolitical environment, we find ourselves in these last eighteen months. It's I know it would probably be better for me, better for my concentration, better for my focus. What, to get off Twitter, you mean? Exactly. But uh, at the same time, I feel it's incumbent on me, particularly when, you, you know, when you're the head of a family and, and when we're in an, uh, an environment where things, they fucking change, like sometimes several times a day, right? And, and, and new kind of developments happen. Um, you know, Bitcoin will fix all of this shit that's going on. But how long is it going to take? Like, how long is it going to take? What will the world look like by the time that Bitcoin gets to fix this? Is it going to be some for, for, just a, like a pile of smoking ashes? Uh, and what what is yeah. it what is it going to be like to live through? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's that's where my fear comes from. Is like, you know, where is it we're going to have to be? Where can we be? You know, where like 
I'm lucky enough that I can go to Canada if I need to. So if that's an option, great. But, you know, <laughs> judging by Bitcoin, Twitter, Canada is not an option, you know. So uh, that's the thing. It doesn't look like got, it. There's a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. So, but there's a lot of people who have no option, right? Like they're, they're in their city or whatever. They've got, they've got no passport other than their British one. They're not moving somewhere because they don't have a particular work skill that someone's going to employ them for. Their only hope is at some point they're well off enough or they can use their Bitcoin to travel and, and do whatever else they need to do. But, you know, if we're talking about a world descending into absolute authoritarianism and the rest of it, you know, you've got to get out before that happens, right? And so that's the thing. Exactly. You can't escape authoritarianism once it clamps down. So you you either see it coming and get out, in which case you better have the skills that someone's going to take you in now. Otherwise, you've got no way out. And that's a scary option, right? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of being a little bit of a nihilist, a little bit of a pessimist, but, you know, at the same time, want to have a laugh whilst everything falls apart, you know, <laughs> like I'm generally not, I'm, I'm generally not an unhappy person. I just think we're, it's the whole Ray Dalio thing, right? We're at the, the point of three major economic cycles all converging and politics, like at the whole um, cesarean thing, we, we got to the point where the Caesar man is coming, be it Trump or Bolsonaro or whoever else, you know, the, the empires are starting to crumble. They're getting to their end game. All these things seem to be coalescing at the same time as Bitcoin. Gets, like it's exactly. the big miracle birth of Bitcoin, right? It's like it, the right thing yeah. happened to come along. Like that in itself, like we're in a conspiracy theory world now, that in itself, it's obvious that there's Bitcoin conspiracy theories because it's just, too, it's almost too perfect. It's like, holy shit. Like the timing of that is unbelievable. <sighs> I think about it a, a lot and uh, and um um our friend um eric case and he he could he, he keeps saying that bitcoin is messianic and um and and, and valis you know my good friend john um mm-hmm. talks about bitcoin as a religion quite a lot and explores that subject and yeah man it's just like it's it's fucking it seems like divine intervention right right at the time where the world needs it most there comes bitcoin yeah. and, and i keep coming back to this idea of 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 satoshi as the second coming of christ or or you know whatever you don't even have to classify him as that but some kind of time traveler you know he or, or, or time traveler <laughs> in a spiritual sense at least like he was even cryogenically frozen we could have a fucking resurrection again as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got to pick a day to pick yeah. three days afterwards to have the resurrection. um yeah i mean yeah the religious religion side of it's interesting because it's that i mean because this also ties into the the end of empires thing right because the start of civilization is when people start getting spiritual and a bit sort of um science isn't the thing which backs it up it's spiritualism and mysticism mm-hmm. and all that it's the you know the mm-hmm. spring of civilizations if you will and that comes after the crumble of everything when it's it's all coming about again so thinking about it from that point of view I mean, that's a pretty big question right like if civilization if this not civilization but if this um empire that we've got the moment this western empire crumbles what does that really mean for the next set of things because we're in a different world now right like they can't just do book burnings like it used to be that an old empire died and it's fine you just burnt the books all their scholars and then all of your scholars made the history and made the science and did whatever that's how it worked but we've got the internet now you can't mm-hmm. burn the books so it changes things a bit i think and i think with this crumble of empire it's not quite being 
sent directly back into the dark ages to go into this mysticism thing. But what we do have is something like Bitcoin, where it's something which people can be sort of spiritual and a little bit mystic about because there, there's, you know, the brain looks for patterns and things like the uh, the virgin birth of Bitcoin and Satoshi is, you know, it ties nicely mm-hmm. into all that. But mm-hmm. I think the biggest tie in religion wise is that it's about faith, right? Which is ironic because it's like, don't trust verify, right? But people mm-hmm. uh, people trust the maths enough because we don't really trust Bitcoin. People trust maths. They trust the universe, you know, maths mm-hmm. of the universe and Bitcoin is based on it. So provided that holds true, there's no reason to doubt Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. so you kind of can put your faith in it from that regard. And I think that's where this basis for a religious strength of belief in it comes in because you know it's not it's not a mysticism based on trust and and blind faith it's a mysticism based on faith in what it actually is Mm -hmm. a concrete faith based on the reality of what that thing Mm -hmm. is you know and i think that that changes the game a bit in this end of empire and yeah that's interesting again that's 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 john that uh uh, that 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 uh, i remember once saying this right uh you know is, is that sort of reliability that Bitcoin provides that that is the kind of magic. I, I, I think he I think he calls it the existential heartbeat of humanity. Yeah. Well, to put it in Christian terms, it's yeah. the rock, right? It's the rock you can mm-hmm. lean on to find strength. Yeah. You know. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it is the it's the fall of Rome, right? Rome is burning now. That's that's what we're seeing, I think. And mm-hmm. if you understand the crime of the federal reserve and the control grid that that um that 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 created when you understand the terminal nature of the dollar and thus um the control grid Mm -hmm. you kind of start to understand why this new form of control grid is being built right i mean they're losing control well this is a thing right like you for me, that was it. Like in the first place, 2008 taught and the bailouts taught me about how unfair it was, you know, socialism for mm-hmm. the rich and you know, all, all that sort of stuff. And so that was really distasteful. But then when you find out about how money really works is when I watched Ray Dalio's how money works, you know, back in the, uh, the 2017 boom before I fully got in and you start to understand how money works and you just, it makes you feel disgusted. You know, you just feel you bastards how how did we let this happen you know how how do more people not know this like that's how you feel you almost feel completely shocked that we're not again we're not out in the streets like it's one thing you're not out in the streets because of 2008 but you should be out in the streets since 1914 or whenever the fed came in you know or the bank of england before that you know it's just it's 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 a tough one <laughs> and i think another reason for the religious thing right like Yes, we all hope it, it works. We've got wealth. We've got some power back and all this sort of stuff. But if we just want to crush them, right? Like we just want to see all those would-be controllers of the universe, masters of the universe, just get destroyed on the rocks of Bitcoin. You know, like that's the thing which we're all so behind it. So we're like, oh, yeah, you've had all this control. You've like, well done. Like you have controlled the world for the last few hundred thousand years or whatever it is you guys have had it that we think this is going to change that. And that would be amazing just to see the leveling. Like imagine what that's going to do to humanity. It's too big to even comprehend, right? How could to have 
to not have leader to have a, a leadership because we're always going to need leaders right there's always going to be people who are leading a pack that's just not going to change that's human nature but to not have the opportunity for single people to be able to dominate in you know huge things because of fiscal things like you can't even comprehend what that means so i don't think humans have had the chance to do that before saying that though but this is where sailor comes in with um because I, I think he's right about the fact that people are people and these the the bankers and all that they're not dummies right they're not just going to roll over and die they are going to build fiat rails on top of bitcoin even if bitcoin becomes the standard they're still going to build all of their bullshit on top of it the question will be can you do you have enough bitcoin that you don't have to partake in the new rails they put on because they're going to do it right there's going to be rehypothecation of some type of fiat currency be it cdscs uh, whatever they're called or anything it doesn't matter what it is yeah they're they're gonna play those same games because that's the only control they've got and yes it'll be underpinned by something which they can't control which is what we're all investing in basically but the main running of the world is going to take place you know on multiple tiers that have been rehypothecated and all this we're not going to be able to get away from the shenanigans, you know. I I do believe that, you know. I I don't think we're going to see the end of governments entirely because I just don't think we're going to be able to <laughs> control ourselves. <laughs> well, I don't think the CBDC the is, is there ever going to. You can't take on. Good, good. No, no. I was just going to say I don't think the CBDCs are ever going to uh, be be built on top of Bitcoin. But I mean, you 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 they'll definitely be be, be all sorts of financial t- tools built on top of it. That that's for sure. Um, but um, what 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 I think is interesting and something speaking about faith and having faith in Bitcoin, you know. I have a lot of faith in the in the game theory, and and it's interesting how you kind of see that play out, like from in different chapters in Bitcoin's history, how how it kind of unfolds. And um, I was recently chatting to a friend of mine who who, who I shall remain nameless, but he's a a, a well known Bitcoiner who's got uh, whose boss is like kind of upper echelons uh the sort of like business world uh so he mixes with the all the wef types and uh, and all these horrendous you know davos bros and things and he was telling me that his boss who is also uh, a keen bitcoiner is telling him that all of these Davos types, they hold Bitcoin personally, and I'm really excited, yeah, really excited you. about it and stuff. And like, uh, so, like, at, at what point do they get converted to, you know, or or, or get um, blinded by but by, by by NGU uh, to a point where they start making decisions that are that goes against, you know, their their sort of fiat life. I absolutely think so, right? I think the thing is, a lot of people give the elite too much credit. They think the elite are this group of people who are all friends, who are all working together to control mm. us. That's not really what's going on. The control of the lower echelon kind of happens by default because there is an upper echelon. But every one of them would cut the other one's throat if they could take what they Definitely, got, yeah. You know? And so, and that is why the game theory yeah. works. And so I don't, you know, I don't think there's some cabal of what people who are around the world, they would be killing each other to have the main position, you know, and things like Bitcoin are what yeah. will take it out because they won't tell each other that they've got it. 
and they'll rah-rah with each other and say, oh, Bitcoin's feared the enemy, but they'll all be stacking, thinking they've got one over on the, yeah. each other. And so at some point, Bitcoin will take them all. Yeah, see, I, 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 I'm I'm slightly different place. I, I, I certainly agree with that last thing. I, I think... In in my mind, there is a cabal, but 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 it's more like marriages of convenience, and it's more like um, you know like yeah, but it's it's not yeah, it's like a conglomeration exactly. Power, so right? so so we'll all get yeah. together uh, to fuck over the uh, the normie or the little guy, but but yeah, I I agree with you that 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 fucking that murder here's, their own child question, though, too. Right? Like, is that the thing is that's going to happen anyway because you've got to have international relations, right? So the powerhouses are going to be in talking to each other about how to run their countries. Like so, in that sense, of course, there's a cabal because there's going to be the leaders of all the countries talking, right? Um, but they're all individuals out for their own good, and I think what happens is that every one of them is an individual trying to get the best for themselves, and the manifestation is this cabal-esque type running of the mm-hmm. whole thing. But ultimately, I don't think it's a coordinated, hey, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, let's do this to control people. I think it's all of them individually trying to get as much for themselves as they can. Mm. And the outcome of that is this control system because they're all trying to maintain what they can. So I don't think they're necessarily looking down, how can we control them? They're saying, how can I keep and what I've got and get more mm. of it? And the outcome is we're all let down here. Yeah, in yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, sure, sure, there is going to be some people who are rubbing mm. their hands and want to keep people down because they can benefit somehow but i think for the most part it's just the outcome of these super powerful rich people just playing yeah. their games you know it's their game of thrones and with it's kind of two level. sides of the same coin isn't it really um but, yeah yeah i just think it helps maintain a rational state of mind about it because you can kind of not worry about it at that point because like you're saying right it's the game theory you can just forget about it because you're like bitcoin is going to just eat mm-hmm. all of them you know it might take a bit but they can't win. And this is the other thing, like every, it's the TikTok next block meme, right? Like, it's just amazing. It's like, I don't even have to do anything. Bitcoin Twitter can blow up right now and just shut up. And Bitcoin's not going to give a shit. In five years time, it'll still be taking chunks out of, you know, all sorts of areas of life in the world of business. And I just think that's amazing. The fact that there's this monster that's just, it's alive, you know, it is alive. And I just think, they they know there's nothing they can do. That's why they're all buying. Mm. They know there's nothing they can do, so it's already won because it's already got it's already in their heads and in their wallets. But, you know? but that's what I think is such um sort of beautiful, sort of poetic justice, right? It's, I love it. I love it because their cutthroatness is getting exactly. Take yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just this um unconscious high kiri or whatever uh, it's it's just it's fucking brilliant yeah. i can't wait and to it's see beautiful it to watch <laughs> yeah. i love it i just watch watching them all scrabbling like putting out these tweets like oh yay fear and you know they're all stacking and you're like you don't even believe the bullshit you're yeah. putting out you know it's like it's funny it's but like, what kind of a weirdo likes a tweet from the ECB? Anyway? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somebody who definitely like is in their fifties and live lives with them with their old mother still. Yeah, right? they probably like their own. Exactly. They're, they're, the, they're the exact same type that would have one of those lifelike, lifelike uh, sex dolls that they sit and dress up in the couch. I think. <laughs> um, yeah. But. Um, 
got to spend the money. Yeah. But yeah, man, I, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think I think that I think they're going to give it a damn good go. I think this whole uh, Marty Bent he wrote about it in his newsletter today. You know, uh, the whole ESG movement and the um, financial uh, action task force, and you know, they're they're definitely moves being made to try to. Uh, kind of quell the 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 power of an influence of Bitcoin. Right, I've, well, to use one of their phrases, they're just trying to flatten the curve, exactly right? <laughs> the impact. And, and I mean, I, I think it's uh, it, it's um, it's quite brassy, really bold that the ECB now want to, or the EU, I suppose it is maybe probably heavily influenced by the ECB, that they want to kind of bar, uh, ban uh, proof of work in Europe. Like, did they not just see what was ha- what has been happening in China? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, And also, it's just like, there's going to be somewhere in the world that people can do it. So what are you going to achieve? Yeah. Like, it's, this is why the game theory wins because it's like you're just hurting yourself and everyone else can see it. and at some point you're going to have yeah. to reverse and by which point everyone's got a head start on you it's just yeah. stupid yeah. yeah man it's gonna be exciting times uh, uh, it- yeah and this is it like having quit my job like part of it is like you know especially it started pumping the next day i was like thank christ yeah. keep going you know <laughs> i've almost made my salary back it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a funny situation because it's a little bit like a really damn good like uh sitcom or not sitcom uh, series where you kind of want to forward to the end just to see how it how it's going to end right um yeah, I, no, I, I really really i just want to and sometimes need to see that this is all gonna be like end up in human flourishing and and uh, uh, and yeah. the release sure. of human exactly it, sp- the human spirit or whatever yeah that's what i'm thinking like personally when i think about the future i don't even think about wealth or the amount it's worth what i see in my mind when i think about the future is i see green grass and me knowing music theory and being able to play my guitar like a chap <laughs> you know that's that's what i see in my head i see a really happy version of me living in quite a wholesome environment like really knowing music and feeling good about who i am on this weird rock that's flying around the sun because i think we just forget that we're animals and all this shit we just made it all up we're just animals and all we're supposed to do is fuck you know like that's all we're here for we made all the rest of this stuff and we stress out about it and we some people go crazy because of it and it's just weird, right? I want to get back to having a simple life, music and all that sort of stuff. So to me, that's, you know, it's it's doing that and knowing that I just don't have to worry about if I can eat today because I know that I've got yeah. enough wealth that everything's covered, you know. To me, that is yeah. kind of how it feels to think about the future of it. Mm. Yeah. And it's kind of the vision, to get back to something you were saying before about the moment when you wake up, there's that time before your consciousness has settled in. I think that's a really important point. I want to come back to that. I made a note of it because Cal Newport was talking about that, this deep work thing. And he was saying that um, he's like that first half hour, or was it Cal Newport? It might be another podcast I was watching earlier, but it was about the deep work thing. He's saying that first half hour when you wake up, most people jump online or turn on the TV or whatever it is. And what you do is you immediately jump into someone else's consciousness mm. at a time when your consciousness is booting up. 
And it's like, if you can avoid doing that first in the morning and let yourself, you know, and there's people take it to extremes where they won't even look at another human face for the first half an hour. You know, they just want the mm-hmm. world to seep in and let their minds come to terms with what's going on. And in those moments, lots of people actually find if they turn their, ta- their mind to a task, some deep work, they actually get straight into a flow state and could be really creative. So as much as people complain about being morning people, you can find that it's actually a really creative period. So, yeah, I want to come back to that because what the wake up time needs to be more mindful for people. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, my, my, my wife, she uh, occasionally practices uh, Vipassana. I don't know if you're uh, aware of mm. Vipassana meditation, but it's basically she, she, she goes off uh, with a bunch of others and they meditate for 10 days straight. They get up at five in oh, the morning. Oh, yeah, my uh, housemate did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, they med. They 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 no 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 eye contact, no speaking, sitting in the same position, working through your pain, um, till like eight in the evening or something like that. Go to bed, mm-hmm. do the same thing again next day, and um, it's just. I mean. If I if I had the discipline, I'd, I'd I love the idea of it. I'm just not sure that I'm re- willing to, to to do the work, but 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 I I can I can see I can see the the the, the level of consciousness that, that that she reaches and and has for for, for ages after uh, you know after coming back again, and uh, yeah, it's something mm. we we should all be more aware. Yeah, I think of. I'm like you. I don't think I could do the 10 days of it. I, the thing is, like, I'm a digital kid. Like, I'm I'm in the matrix 100%, you know, especially because my job is coding and making music is all digital. Like, that's one reason why I picked the guitar up again. I needed to get – I needed to find something analog <laughs> to take yes. me offline because it's just always – I'm online yeah. all the time, like literally all day long, every day. Mm-hmm. And I just – I it it started to depress me because I started to realize that I was disconnecting from the outside, the real world, you know, the physical world, I should say, which is a dangerous thing to do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jim. Well, um, speaking of mornings, I'm getting up at uh, six o'clock tomorrow morning, and I'm driving uh, about twelve hundred miles. To, uh, Blimey, where are you off to? I'm I'm gonna go see my uh, my dying father. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's it, that's that, that's right? that's a one hell of a holiday, isn't it? Now it's 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 all right. It, yeah. Life is um, death is part of life, and all of these things. I, I'm a I'm a stoic type, you know. I I I tear up every day looking at my son's little face, but when it comes to the big when it comes to the big stuff, I, I, I'm uh, you know I'm 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 stoic. However, yeah, I lost my dad about thirteen years right, ago, right? Early, so yeah, I I, I understand how it feels. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I it's it's what is difficult is uh, a the distance living living in uh, the other end of a continent, but but also mm-hmm. particularly all this fuckery that has been put in place, uh, all this uh, unscientific, arbitrary. Uh, authoritarian nonsense that has made it very, very difficult to, to, to um, you know, to see loved ones, uh, uh, particularly if they're in hospital yeah. and the and these sort of things. So, um, 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty disgraceful. Yeah, it's that that's that that's the hardest that's the hardest part of it, I think, because th- that kind of like induces a, a bit of uh, sort of bitterness or anger but but it'll, it'll be it'll be great the two days of, of full driving is not going to be so great but uh it'll, it'll be great yeah. to just chill and uh um and uh, yeah spend some time with them exactly hang out yeah well i wish you the best be strong mate. nice one dude really enjoyed it and uh, yeah maybe when uh, when the benevolent overlords allow at some point um and i'm in london i'll uh, i'll give you a shout yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to have a beer with you. Yeah, yeah, a few. Nice one. Well, thanks again for the invitation, man. I appreciate the chat. Most welcome. Have a nice evening. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya.